0: You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. Our first guest is none other than Hannah Nieves, the CEO and founder of HN house Hannah Nieves Consulting and This Hudson Studio. I was so excited to chat with Hannah because I admired how she balanced multiple businesses and projects so seamlessly. She is the embodiment of the entrepreneur I aspire to be. But as we all know, the path to success is never easy and Hannah's journey was no exception. She faced her fair share of grief and challenges along the way, but with unwavering grit and determination, she overcame them all. In this episode, Hannah generously shares her inspiring business journey with us. From her early beginnings to her current success, she reveals the lessons she's learned, the obstacles she's faced, and the victories she celebrated, starting with her burnout journey.
1: The story of burnout has been resonating with me ever since childhood, going, you know, growing up with childhood trauma and going through the motion of getting, you know, a college degree in three years. Like I was always the high achiever. So, um, yeah, I graduated college in three years um, and went right into the workforce, um, you know, like interning the senior year of high school type of thing. Um, and you know, I started my career actually in commercial real estate. So if you can picture like the wolf of wall street, that's typically like how it was on the day to day. And, um, it was, it was wild. It was crazy, but it also really taught me so much and I'm really grateful for it. Um, I was probably one of like one of five women on a sales floor of a few hundred men. Um, And I was the only minority As well. So that was another thing. I was the only one on the sales floor that didn't have like a dad that was, you know, the big real estate developer that was working in the city. So I truly, truly worked my way there. And um, it thickened my skin. I love real estate, but I quickly realized after going through the underwriting process, because that's what I did, I was underwriting commercial assets, we were marketing and selling them. I quickly realized I loved the design more than I loved the underwriting side. So then I went to a national home storage brand where I was director of marketing marketing there and then also help build out their trade program Um, and I loved it but I just had this like vicious cycle of burnout and it wasn't until actually summer of 2019 where that burnout actually like put me in the hospital Um, and that was that was a catalyst to start everything.
0: When you had that director position and you were talking about how it just was this crazy cycle of burnout what were all the things that you were doing that would lead to burnout?
1: I think it was a lot of people pleasing. Um, It was a lot of trying to prove, you know, I was the the youngest director of marketing, and it was pretty wild because I was leading these like conferences. I was getting asked to speak in front of this company that's like nearly a billion dollars. And, you know, I would have people twice my age asking me like, how did you get into this building? Like, how did you do XYZ? And it was a lot of pressure to have to continuously succeed, you know, always. So for me, it was like, I would always go through this cycle of like, push, 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 and then I'd get really burnt out. But at that time, I didn't have the awareness that I do now. So I just thought, oh, I'm getting tired or maybe I'm just not feeling that great. But when I really, when I look back on it, was burnout happening I just didn't really know and it wasn't until actually when I went into the hospital it was when I was pushing myself yet again but at that point like I physically could not do anything like I almost like couldn't walk because of the pain in my stomach it was so bad um, but it, it honestly it took that for me to realize I have to have a change I can't keep doing this
0: so when you got to this place What was going on through your mind exactly? Was it like zero to a hundred? I need to quit. I
1: need to get out of this place.
0: This is not for me.
1: So it was interesting because when I was going through this process and you know, I went back to work, just like something fell off and I love my job. I love what I was doing, but just something fell off with me. And I really started to have, um, this like push that I was like, no, I'm actually meant to do this. Um, so when I went back, it was, you know, starting to build my brand. I, you know, went and did photography. First off, I was also healing myself too. So (laughs) let me, let me take a step back. I focused like the first like few months on just healing myself, but, um, I was starting to, Network. I signed up for a course at the time, and that's really how like I got into this world. And I just started consuming podcasts, actually, just like this podcasts all the time. I would be listening in my office and I'd have like the door closed. I'm doing my work and I'd be listening to personal development podcasts all day long because I was so focused on shifting my mindset and during that time when I started to shift my mindset, I started to realize how everyone around me had a, had a very closed mindset. And I, that's when I realized, oh no, like I'm actually meant for something so much bigger than this.
0: In a world where busy is often equated with success, 2020 was a year that forced many corporate professionals to reflect on what truly matters. We realized that burnout should not be the epitome of success And that true fulfillment comes from doing what you love and living with purpose. For Hannah, this realization began a year earlier in 2019. While she had already achieved significant professional success, Hannah realized that she was sacrificing her own well-being in the process. So she booked a solo trip to the Catskills, and this is where things begin to click.
1: I went by myself to the Catskills, and I wrote everything down and I mapped everything out. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I came back and I was so fired up. Um, and I remember at the time I told my best friend, um, I was like, okay, I just need to make $3,000 and then I'm going to leave. And then I'm going to do this. Right. Or I need to make, you know, a thousand dollars. And it was crazy because I think about now my husband and I talk about this, but like, okay, like the first project that came in was less than $400. And when I tell you, I was so excited. I was like, I just made $400. This is amazing. And and then it happened again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just made $500. And it's so exciting. And then it was like, okay, I just made $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. Oh my gosh! I just did twenty thousand this month, and that's when I knew I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I just created a machine. This is this is wild. And then it wasn't until March of twenty twenty when you know the world shut down, most of my team got laid off, and that was the kick to get started. Um, and I'm actually very grateful for it because if it didn't happen, I think I would have stayed longer than I would have needed to. Wow, that happened really fast. Oh, really fast. (laughs) It was like, oh, you have this idea, the universe is like, okay, nope, you're gonna get laid off along with everyone else. And it was kind of one of those sink or swim moments. And, you know, while the whole world was in fear, which obviously we all were in some capacity, I took it as the biggest opportunity. And I put, you know, pedal to the metal with everything I was doing. And I was like, this is gonna work. I don't have another option you know, I think the imposter syndrome really came out in the beginning when, um, I started to charge high ticket for services. I remember, you know, like I've, at the time I never charged that for a service before. So I'm like, who am I to charge $5,000 for this agency service at the time? And going through that was a big one that that was a big shift, but it was interesting because I would say the first year in business, I had no fear. And it's kind of crazy to say that, but I had no fear. It was just like, I almost, it was like a bull in a way. I was just like, I'm going, I am not stopping. I was like, I am just going to figure it out, even if it's not perfect. And that's the, like, that's the motto, the method that I kept going through the first year. I think it was partially on adrenaline. So also let me take a step back, (laughs) which I think for most people, they were doing that too. Um, But it really was, I had nothing to lose. At that time, I had nothing to lose. The whole world was shut down, so I was like, you know what? If this doesn't work out, I could just get a job in a few months, and it'll be fine. I remember at the time, and this actually goes back before I transitioned full time, and you know, during this period, my superior basically saw an Instagram account that I had, and it was a blog in the beginning, like it really—I don't even know what it was—and I was told to shut it down. And I remember I went home crying to my husband and I said, you know, you know he wants me to shut it down. And I remember he told me – I wasn't making any money, so just like keep this in mind. He was like, you got to keep doing it. And he encouraged me. He's like, you got to keep doing it. So I just knew the vision of like where this was going, so I kept doing it. But at the time too, it was one of those – it was a really hard situation because I, I actually invested uh, my first, I would say – Six months of the business all on a credit card. And you can imagine racking up $30,000 of consumer debt on a credit card is really scary when you don't have a backup plan. I did not have a backup plan. Like it had to work. And I remember like seeing those payments come through and I'm like, it's going to work. I know it's going to work. And at one point, my husband's like, Are you going to figure this out? Like, what's happening? Are you serious about this? Um, And then literally as soon as this is like the most wildest moment, but like when I invested in my first mastermind and this was, you know, again, like multi five figure mastermind. Um, at that point, it was like this exchange. I was like, Oh, like I'm stepping into this higher version of myself and I'm actually a business owner. And when that happened, it was like a snowball. It was a snowball and then things just exploded from there. It was wild. I'm fascinated
0: by your story because it seems like that there's a key factor that sets apart those who succeed from those who don't. And as I listen to your journey, I see that you've taken many of the same steps that others have, yet you've achieved such remarkable success. So what is the pivotal moment or decision that made all the difference for
1: you? What sets your story apart and made your outcome so different from others? the number one thing is mindset. Um, that's everything. And I know for a lot of people, especially in the beginning stages, so let me take a step back. <clears throat> when I first came into my first ever like group program where I hired a coach, and I should also preface, like, I have been getting support for my business since day one. So I don't want anyone to listen in and think that I did this by myself because I did not. Um, I paid to get the answers fast. So even when I didn't have the money. But I think like the biggest thing is like, I remember when I first went into my group coaching program at the time and I was like, I don't need the mindset stuff. I was like, I'm good. I just need the strategy. Tell me what to do. And I quickly realized that actually, no, it was the other way around. I had to shift my entire perspective and that was the biggest thing. But I think like the big, you know, kind of differentiator or the things that I've even noticed after working, you know, with hundreds of clients is like this, first off, vision, like the people that make it are the ones that actually have a clear vision for themselves um, and for their business. So that's number one. Two, um, being resilient and just being persistent. Like those two things, those two things, like if you have those things, you will make it. You know, I was talking to my husband last night about this and the, the percentage of entrepreneurs um, fail, failing, you know, drastically goes up from year three, and don't quote me, I don't know the exact statistics off the top of my head, but by year five and 10, it goes up to like 70% of like business owners fail. And because it is a mind game, And if you don't prioritize that, you're going to get beaten down over and over and over. But the active entrepreneurship is actually not that. It's getting up every time that you're getting beat down. It's getting up whenever you experience failure and, you know, brushing your shoulders off and you keep it moving. Like that's what makes successful people. You just adapt. It was that initial point that was like the big shift because... That was the most amount of money I ever invested in, in myself. And to me, it was like, it was a pivotal point of realizing I'm worthy of that.
0: You're worthy of spending that much or you're worthy of investing in yourself?
1: I think it was both. I think it was both. I think it was both realizing like, no, actually I'm worthy of this future vision that I have and I'm worthy of getting the support that I need. And that was a massive mindset shift.
0: Your journey has been remarkable. And it seems like everything fell into place for you in the most perfect way possible. It's intriguing to think about the route you took transitioning from a successful real estate career to becoming a director for a multi-million dollar corporation. Most people in your position might question whether they're worthy of leaving behind a successful career for the unknown. Did you ever feel that way? Did you have any doubts or reservations about Pursuing your future, even though you were unsure of where it would lead you.
1: I love that you said that because it just brought back a moment in time, actually. I feel like I'm back in that memory. And my last two roles um, so after the one that I left, but before that, um, I remember at the time I was working commercial real estate and I was negotiating a pay raise at the time. I remember when I was telling them that I was leaving, you know, the response was, oh, you'll be back. You'll come back. And, you know, most people don't make it. They come back. And I've actually been told that a few times. And it's interesting because like, that's like the fire behind me personally. Um, And if anyone is familiar with like Barbara Corcoran at all, she's like a real estate mogul. She's incredible. And she talks about how she built this billion dollar brand from like a thousand dollar loan from like her ex-husband or boyfriend or whatever but you know, he told her, he's like, you're never going to be successful. And what's interesting is like that, that kind of concept, those um, comments actually were from my childhood too. You know, it was a father that kept saying like, you're never going to make it, you know? like you're never going to do this. And which is also, it's a blessing in disguise, but also a curse too, because I'm constantly proving things. Um, however, that in itself was the fire to keep going because I was like, ooh, you want to challenge me? I'm going to challenge you back. So, and that's what I did.
0: I love that you shared that story because it really resonates with me personally. I had a similar experience with my college professors telling me that I couldn't be a doctor, but at the same time, they were also telling me that marketing and communications wasn't worth pursuing because I wouldn't create any impact and hearing your story reminded me of that and how important it is to hold on to the things that fuel us. You mentioned how in the past, you were driven by people-pleasing and proving yourself to others. I'm curious, how do you manage those
1: tendencies now in your business to avoid burnout and to avoid resentment? I love this question because I think a lot of people think that just because you know you've quote unquote made it or you've cracked the code that means that you don't experience these things and we all do i recently just experienced this again again recently where i was out of alignment with something in my business and i had to fix it and i think that's the biggest thing i'll just even recommend and just share you know with listeners here that like you're still going to go through these things no matter what level and sometimes they even they get bigger right because the biggest shift for me is like once you start scaling your business to multiple six figures, once you start getting full-time employees, it's not about you anymore. It's about your team. It's about th- what you're building at the end of the day. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, at least this happened to me, I actually had the reverse effect. I This was probably about like a year and a half ago or maybe almost two years ago, where I started to feel nervous about making big changes because I was worried that I would ruin what I have built, basically. And I was like, I have a lot to lose, so I can't be as risky as I was in the beginning because I have that. Um, But for me personally, I think one of the biggest things for me is investing in my own personal team, if that makes sense, like my own personal team. So um I have actually a client who I hired as like a fitness coach. Um I have support, you know, on like the breath work side. I'm also a woman of faith, right? Like I have, I have my support team that helps me. Um because that's the number one thing. And if I do not feel myself, how how am I supposed to pour into clients? How am I supposed to pour into our team if I'm not taking care of myself? Like I'm doing a disservice to the people that are paying me a lot of money, right? So I have to make sure that's always top and priority. And if something's off, it is my responsibility to figure it out. I have to.
0: It's really clear to see your vision is truly inspiring. And it's clear that taking care of yourself is essential to realizing it. I can see how not prioritizing self-care could lead to burnout and hinder your ability to achieve your goals. You mentioned your team, and I have to say, I'm impressed with how they carry out your vision. I love them. I'm curious, what's your secret to finding the right people and getting them fully on board with your vision for h n?
1: Yeah, I think this is such a a delicate and beautiful process, and you know, I've worked with so many teams, like clients with teams, and I work with teams in corporate, and you can quite literally see the teams that are functional and the teams that are dysfunctional. Not to say that everything's going to be perfect. At the end of the day, we're dealing with humans, so nothing is perfect when you're dealing with humans, so just keep that in mind. But I think the biggest thing for me is like leading with compassion. Um, Emotional intelligence is is key. Um, I think for some people, they lead and they lead by micromanaging their team, right? So I I don't keep my team on a leash. I'm like, listen, you're hired because you bring a skill set to the table. And I'm going to expect you to run with that skill set, right? Um, so that's a big thing for me. Um, setting the tone of the culture is everything. Um, we literally do a client experience meeting like two times a year where we'll audit everything. You know, how are we creating the through line of what our clients need to experience? How are we creating that from the top down, from the way that we market ourselves to the way that we communicate to clients, from the way that we show up on Zoom? Zoom calls, like we literally look at every aspect of how we communicate with clients and we're always analyzing it. But I think the biggest thing too is also I love to reward our team. You know, it's not just, you know, letting them know when they've done something wrong, but it's letting them know, like, hey, like you're doing such a great job. Like I'm really, really proud of you. Um, so we really foster a really great team culture and environment. And in return, I think that's built a lot of loyalty. Like um, two of our team members are now going on two years of working with me, which is like, you know, for small businesses is actually a long time. So it's just, it's so incredible to see like these people are, are here and bought into the long-term vision. And like, that's everything to me. Hey there,
0: podcast fans. If you're loving our show, we want to hear from you. Leaving a review is the best way to share your thoughts and help us make our content even better. And if you really want to share your support, share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag us at Media. By sharing our show with your friends and audience, you're helping us reach more people and build our community. Let's spread the word and create something amazing together. Thanks for listening and don't forget, you can turn your passion into profit. Now back to the episode.
1: The commonality that I see, especially in the online world, is that the higher you go, um, they're more the pressure really kind of um, sinks in. And that's why I've noticed, at least from a lot of seven-figure founders, they have massive turnover. Um, and whether they want to say it or they don't, they have massive turnover in their brands. and. It really starts with the team that you're cultivating and that's where like really prioritizing your leadership as a founder is everything and then also prioritizing building leaders on your team that's another thing i think people are so focused on the money and hitting these revenue metrics that they forget like we're actually running people at the end of the day you know yeah and it's all just a
0: domino effect if you do focus on building those skills with your team, guiding them into stepping into that leadership roles, taking ownership. It just does lead into more revenue in the long run, more impact in the long run. One of the pivotal moments in your business, or I guess the most pivotal moment in your business is when you realize your business, your vision is like so much bigger than you. When was that moment?
1: I think I realized that moment when, you know, this was probably going back to October of 2021. And we, that was like the pivotal point where I was like, okay, this is actually not going to be just me anymore. This is where H and House started to come to life. And I realized that because we cultivated this community. This is after, you know, we hosted our first retreat. Um, we were starting on our second round of Thrive. We, this, at this point we've been running our programs for two years and, it dawned on me, I'm like, wow, Like, we really built a community. And um, at that point, I I had to kind of pick a path, pick a lane. Um, Is this going to be the Hannah show for the rest of time? Or is this something that I want to cultivate where maybe I'm not the front and center person anymore? Maybe there are other people, other clients that are going to come and surface to to the front of this brand. And I chose the latter of the two just because for me personally, like this is not the only thing I'm going to create, but it is the main thing I'm creating. And um, I mean, you know, like real estate design is like, that's my second baby there. So for me, I also wanted the space and freedom to be able to talk about the other passions. So at that point, that's when I really realized, wow, this is really big. And then when I hosted my first in-person event, that was just like everything all in one. And then I quickly realized like we made the right decision.
0: Hannah's business underwent a significant change when she made the decision to transform it into a multi-dimensional enterprise. This required her to let go of half of her agency roster, which was a pivotal moment in an agency owner's journey. By doing so, she was able to focus her efforts on building a team that was aligned with her vision and values and could help her take her business to the next level. This strategic move allowed Hannah to streamline her operations and optimize her resources for greater efficiency. Many entrepreneurs often feel the pressure to constantly hustle and grow their business, which can lead to overcommitment and burnout. However, in order to achieve sustainable success, it's important to take a step back and evaluate what's truly necessary for the business to thrive. For Hannah, the decision to let go of half of her agency roster was not an easy one. It required a willingness to let go of short-term revenue and a deep trust in her own vision and ability to execute on it. It also meant acknowledging that she couldn't do everything herself and needed to build a team that aligned with her values and mission. This type of decision-making can be scary for business owners who are used to being in control, but it can also be incredibly liberating. By letting go of what's not working and focusing on what truly matters, entrepreneurs can create space for growth and innovation. It's not always easy, but it's often necessary for a business to thrive in the long run. Here is how Hannah did it.
1: It was scary. So I'm gonna just be very honest. I think it's beginning of 2021. I hired four full-time employees, which you can imagine the salaries, the expenses that go with full-time employees, let alone four. And this was an this was a matter of like three, two months, two to three months that I hired them. And we were going this route, the agency route, but I quickly realized that like I was out of alignment, but I didn't have the awareness yet to realize it. I was out of alignment and I was like, something's off. I was like, just something doesn't feel right with what I'm doing. You know, I was working until eight o'clock at night on a Friday. Like I was just like, I was stressed. Like some of the clients weren't a really good fit. And At that point, I realized I was like, no, this is actually not what I want to do. I was like, I don't want to build a massive agency to me. I actually find more, um, stress with having a massive team. I actually find more freedom with having a small team myself personally for other people they might feel differently. Um, so when I quickly realized I was like, okay, we're actually going to go the route of consulting with done for you add-ons. My focus is I want to build my programs up. That's where my heart is. That's what I love. I love doing that. So I cut my roster in half, and I made it a requirement that I was like, if you're going to work with us, you're going to be working with us with a much higher ticket, and you're going to be working with us um, on a consulting with done-for-you add-on capacity. And it was the best decision I've ever made. And we're still trimming it down, right? So now we've made this shift. Now we're still refining it down, right? And this process doesn't just take you know like six months, right? It can. Take a lot longer than that um, and it always goes back to and this is why like even with clients I'm always asking like are you happy doing what you're doing if you're not happy you need to realize that now because what happens is entrepreneurs we think because we've done this in corporate for 10 years we think because we're good at this that means that we need to do this for the rest of our life and once you can change that mindset that no you actually have the ability to recreate it changes the perspective.
0: My question for you is how do you determine when it's time to pivot and realign your energy versus just dealing with the natural challenges that come with running a business or being in a particular niche? In other words, how do you know when it's time to make a change versus pushing through the difficulties that are just an inevitable part of this journey?
1: I love that you brought this up because I also think too, there are some entrepreneurs that move too fast. Like right? I move fast, but too fast. Where it's like, okay, I decided I don't like this anymore. Tomorrow I'm gonna rip it down or start over, which is fine. Like for some people, you could do that, right? Um, but there's also okay, there's the beauty in that, but there's also the consequence in that too. If like for for example, if you're not sitting on cash reserves that you can lean on to get you up and running in this new you know, transition or pivot, whatever, of course you're going to add more stress and, you know, almost have a trauma response because then you're in the fight or flight mode. I think the big thing that I at least do is I I let it sit for a little bit. So whether it's a few weeks, a month, whatever, and I'll let it marinate and I'll kind of see, okay, like, am I still feeling this way? Or maybe was it the week, you know? So I let it marinate and I keep note on like how I feel during the day. Usually a telltale sign that I'm out of alignment is, um, I'll have trouble sleeping i will wake up and something's just not right i I just i know at this point when something's off and once you can really flex that skill it's a lot easier but before you go and quickly pivot sit in the uncomfortable feeling journal on it write it visually write it down come back to that and then from there if you have a mentor if you have someone you're working with have a peer whatever it is build out the plan to get you to that other side of where you need to go. Because if you just continuously sit in the uncomfortable feeling, you're going to stay on the hamster wheel. And at some point you're going to realize, oh my goodness, I just built a digital prison and I hate my life. And I see that happen to entrepreneurs so many times.
0: I remember watching on your IG stories several months back. You went to Scottsdale, Arizona for a retreat. And something about the experience seemed to have a profound impact on you. Your energy shifted and your stories changed. Can you share more about what clicked and what happened during
1: that trip? So what's interesting is that last year I went on three, two retreats and then one was a separate one and I went to Scottsdale, went to LA, and then I went to Necker Island. And all three of them, I walked away with massive clarity all three of them. Um I think for me the biggest one that had the shift of and the reset was actually Necker Island when I you know went to Richard Branson's island and it was I mean it was life-changing in so many ways but I walked in there thinking that I was going to get this like strategy for my business. I was going to explode and we're going to have this 10 million dollar idea and blah blah blah. And I quickly realized that what I actually needed was like healing. What I needed was my personal development growth. And I I feel like personally, as a person, I matured so much because, you know, when you, it's not often that you hang around like a billionaire, you know, and just listen and observe. And for me, I'm so fascinated with how people think, how they think, how they respond. And for me was the biggest takeaway was like, you know, Richard Branson had said, I'm not building businesses just on financial projections. I build businesses that change the world. And that's like a massive, massive thought. I build businesses that change the world. And keep in mind, like Richard Branson, R- Richard Branson has hundreds of companies, started with absolutely nothing. Um, I mean, this guy, talk about resilience. I mean, he went against like the railroad tycoons. He, I, he did everything and it's so fascinating and for me when i came back i just had this overwhelming feeling of like i just crave depth from people because i think online we just see this like superficial high level view of someone's life and someone's business but you really don't like you really don't know them at all you know what i mean and when i came back i was like all i saw was like how to do this how to get instagram strategy to do blank and i was like i just want to know the people that are in our community so that was like a big thing for me depth um creating something bigger and um just thinking bigger than your own needs at the end of the day that that was like the biggest takeaway
0: being a multi-passionate entrepreneur can be both a blessing and a curse on one hand Having multiple projects and brands can give you a sense of fulfillment and keep you motivated. On the other hand, it can be challenging to balance your time, energy, and resources across different endeavors and to stay focused on generating traction for each one. Despite these challenges, Hannah has found a way to stay true to her multi-passionate identity while still making progress in each of her goals. She has developed strategies for managing her time and resources effectively, such as outsourcing tasks, delegating responsibilities to team members, and prioritizing the most important tasks for each project. She also emphasizes the importance of personal development and mindset work to maintain focus and motivation by staying true to her passions and finding ways to balance them effectively. Hannah has been able to create a thriving multi-dimensional business. From the outside looking in, it may seem too good to be true, but not for
1: Hannah. You need to look at something as an anchor to revenue at the end of the day, right? Like I I lead with my gut, but I'm also very strategic and methodical, right? Like I will never put us in the poorhouse. I will never put us in a situation where like I'm going to I'm going to risk our, you know, cash reserves or put it at jeopardy because of some idea that I have, right? Like I have to be, you know, logical with it. But um, I think the big thing is, yes, systems and simplifying things down. So, you know, even though we have multiple business models, our pathway to work with us is simple, right? At h and House, there's two ways to work with us. That's it. Two. Um, I don't have 50 million programs. Um, same thing with HN consulting and we're still trimming it down even more. Like we are trimming it down. Um, and for that reason. So if you want to expand, you have to simplify. And I think the big thing too is getting clear and just understanding that if you have multiple things running at once, right, you have to be okay that one of them is not going to grow as fast it's just the reality, right? Like you're one person. And I see a lot of people they want to kind of diversify and start all these 50 million things like in year 1. And I'm like, okay, well, just get like one thing down first, then expand. Um but definitely systems, um getting the support, you know, like my team, right? So like one of my team members like solely manages the studio. Like manages it all. Like I I'm like spot checking, like I'm not managing any of the proposals or anything like that. Like I just, we just run it. And, um, but it didn't start that way. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, with our farm, fingers crossed, um, that'll be like that last leg there to some of like the real estate that we're going to be focusing in on. Um, but again, it's one thing. But I know with once that farm is up and running and that is monetized and we're doing X, Y, Z, I know that then I can trim down certain areas. It's kind of like you're moving chess pieces around, right? Um, and it's very methodical. It's very strategic. I'm always look at, looking at the ROI you know, like what's the long Um, I think a lot of business owners too, we get so wrapped up that our businesses are our babies and like, Oh, I need to, you know, kind of coddle my baby and, um, never let it go. But business, you know, businesses are like buses at the end of the day. And this is what R- Richard Branson said. <laughs> you're going to have multiple businesses. If you're an entrepreneur, this is a lifestyle. So it's going to be okay knowing that down the line, you might sell one of your businesses, right? You might want to, you know, hire a CEO to run one of your businesses, right? And that's okay. That doesn't make you a bad business owner. It makes you a very smart and strategic business owner because you're leveraging your time. I think, you know, because the first few years of business, I've grown so fast, right? Grown so fast. It's come at a cost, And I'm very upfront about that. Um, And I think a lot of people, and for some people, actually for not a lot, for some people, they don't want to risk that, right? So for me, I had to say no to tons of events, tons of gatherings. I had to let go of certain friends in my circles. Um, I had to let go of certain things, right? You know, like certain things in life, materialistic things, right? Right. Because I knew where I wanted to go, I had to let go of those things. Um, so in some scenarios, it cost me that. Um, I think one of the conversations that people don't talk about, that I know happens, especially for women over, you know, that multiple six, seven figure mark in their business plus, is the conversations about marriage as an entrepreneur, especially when you are a high powered woman and you're running a high powered business, but you also are, have a spouse, have a partner. No one talks about those conversations. And when we do have these conversations, they're very hush hush behind closed doors. Um, it is a delicate balance to, to run this empire, but then turn off the switch and then go be wife, go be mom, go be ex. Right. And that is a really delicate balance that you have to play. You know, my husband and I, we've been together for 12 years and he's my rock. I i mean, yeah, everything to me. But we've had conversations where he's like, you gotta turn it off. You You, you gotta turn it off. And it's moments like that of having a spouse that can like check you where it's like, Whoa! I didn't even realize that. Like I didn't even, it's so subconscious. I didn't even realize that when I left my office, I still was talking as if I was in work. And, um, so I say that because I think for a lot of people they may be going through this, they may be struggling with this and they don't, they might think they're alone. You're not alone. We've all gone through this. Um, one small, like mental thing that I've started doing that really, really helped is at the end of the day, actually I close my office doors. Like I close it behind me. I don't leave it open. Um, because I realized that if I don't create those boundaries in my life, my personal life, you can create a monster that will ruin your personal life in your business. And the second thing I'll also say is that if you don't have a partner that understands that lifestyle, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard because when you're an entrepreneur, this lifestyle's not lifestyle is not normal. It's real easy to have nine to five in the sense of you can take your vacation. You don't have to think about your work. You can take maternity leave. You don't have to think about your work.
0: Imagine breaking free from the conventional wisdom of starting a coaching or course business and instead being able to step back and focus on what truly excites you. It's a possibility that not many people are aware of but it's something that Hannah has explored. So how can you start thinking about alternative paths to entrepreneurship? In the online industry, it's easy to get caught up in the standard model of growing a business. But what if there's a better way? Have you considered the idea of selling your business or hiring a CEO to take over or simply incorporating systems and strategies so that you can explore other ventures? It may seem daunting, but Hannah has been able to do just that. So how did she discover this possibility and make it a reality? What were some of the ways that she was exposed to ideas like this? And how can you start thinking outside the box and exploring alternative paths to entrepreneurship?
1: I always made sure that I was in the playing field of other people who thought like me, but also helped expanded me. That is the biggest thing. Um, I know like the industry, there's, um, you know, sometimes a, a negative connotation when it comes to masterminds. But for me, I still invest in masterminds and communities and networks for that specific reasons, because I'm paying to be in the room. I'm paying to expand my network. Um, and that in itself has, I mean, 10 x you know, in terms of income. Um, I've also, I have this like really like sick obsession. I love to study like – Multi, multi, multi-millionaire and billionaires. Like I just, I like to study how they think. I like to study how they operate. I like to study the moves they make um, because I'm always curious. I'm like, so okay, so why? Like I always ask myself, well, why did they make that move? So for me, I'm always like observing, like how they react and how they, you know, even just communicate because it's really fascinating. Um, I also listen to, I mean, podcasting just like this. Podcasts are some of the best ways and just consuming podcasts to just absorb knowledge in addition to masterminds and events has been one of the best ways of just getting exposed to these concepts and these ideas.
0: During our conversation, we touched on the importance of having a clear vision for your brand. However, we didn't quite establish what your vision is yet. So I want to give you the opportunity to share with us what your vision for the h and brand is and what exciting things we can expect from it in this coming year. What are some of the goals you've set for yourself and your brand and how do you plan to achieve them?
1: Oh, I love this question so much. I've I've never actually been asked this on a podcast before. For me... I'm creating beautiful businesses and beautiful lifestyles. Like my whole focus is on redefining the way that we live and work. And that's a big, big focus for me. So we're really creating this curated collection of brands and some that you see now might fade away. Some that you'll see surface through, like there's still changes and evolving that's happening. Um, But we are building a collection of brands that's under the live and work like kind of embodiment, right? So, um, we have our studio, which is under our live side of things. We're working on our farm. We have our HN house and then we have some feature plans there on the other side. Um, but really for me, it's creating this collection of brands where people can literally, um, touch and feel right. So they can come to us stay with us. They can work with us. Um, and we're just really creating this culture of people that really embrace and honor that. So that's something that I'm just, I, I see it. I can visually see it. um, and it's, it's there. So it's just putting the pieces together, but a lot of big, big goals. And I think, you know, for myself and for a lot of clients, this is going to be a very trans, uh, transformational year.
0: I hope you feel inspired and motivated after listening to today's episode with the talented Hannah Nieves. From discussing the power of vision and finding purpose in our passions, to the importance of self-care and managing time effectively, we've explored a wide range of topics that are sure to resonate with anyone seeking to achieve their goals. Hannah's passion for her work is contagious, and her ability to balance multiple projects and initiatives is truly impressive. As she continues to push the boundaries of her own creativity and strategic thinking, we can't wait to see what's in store for the h and brand in the coming year. With new projects and collaborations on the horizon, Hannah is sure to continue making waves in the online industry and beyond. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We couldn't have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to kimberly and brandon for their incredible scripting and quality checking skills andrew for his exceptional audio design and Addie for our outstanding graphics and marketing support and of course a huge thanks to our guest for sharing their passion and story with us today be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview with our guest as well as links to support them in their business and don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media stories We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening.